Good morning. I hope you are well. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, welcome to Christ Point Church. If you are our guest this morning, it's so good uh, to have you. There should be a connection card in the seat in front of you. You can scan that. Uh, fill that out. Let us know that you were here this morning. Uh, we'd love to talk to you about how to take that next step in getting plugged in uh, here at Christ Point. It was a great honor to uh, be able to worship with Hannah this morning. Hannah is a part of Mission City Church. Uh, for the last couple of years, we've partnered with Mission City Church in uh, uh, providing food for the underprivileged, under-resourced in our community. Uh, Kyle is a dear friend of mine. I believe last time I checked, uh, Hannah may be related to Kyle, but I'm not positive. You'll have to ask her uh, after the service. Uh, but it was great to be able to worship with you uh, this morning, Hannah. Uh, well, I, I know Hannah just prayed for us, but uh, if we could, I'm going to pray again and ask the Lord uh, just to quiet our hearts as we uh, surrender to him. And so would you please pray with me? God, thanks so much for the opportunity that we have uh, to open your word now. We've I had the great joy and privilege of worshiping you, of being reminded that Jesus is our hope and our life. We've come to you and sung that we want to surrender our lives to you. We want to come with arms wide open. Lord, we do that now. Lord, give us a heart to receive from you what you might have for us. God, your word teaches us that we, that all of us who are here that has breath this morning, are men and women created in your image. You are the author of life. Uh, Lord, we as a people were fearfully and wonderfully made by your good hand. And because you made us, our lives are not our own. They do not belong to us. We belong uh, to you. Because we have a value and worth as a people, because you formed and fashioned us uh, for your name's sake, uh, we as a people are called to value and uh, protect uh, the life that you've given uh, to us. And certainly that means we are called to protect uh, those who are most vulnerable. And I can't think of anyone this morning more vulnerable uh, than uh, babies inside uh, the womb of a mother. Uh, Lord, this week our society, our country moved uh, to protect life. And so we as the people of God uh, rejoice in uh, that movement. Uh, in a world that seems increasingly opposed to your way, uh, Jesus, in a world that dilutes your way, in a world that calls us uh, to something less than the way of Jesus, uh, Jesus, we ask uh, for courage and we ask for clarity. God, you know uh, my own heart better than I know uh, my own heart you know that my tendency in life is uh, to move uh, firmly planted to the middle. Uh, and yet it seems like in life there are, um, there are fork in the road type moments, decisions, uh, where we need to turn one way or the other. And this strikes me as one of those times. Um, there will be uh, more times in the future. And so I pray for clarity and I pray uh, for courage. Uh, God, this morning I'm grateful that your word both convicts us and comforts us. Lord, if there are people uh, here this morning who come uh, with the weight of their, their sin, whether it's something they said or did or thought uh, 20 years ago or uh, two minutes ago, 
Uh, Lord, then we throw ourselves at the merciful uh, feet of Jesus. And we give you thanks that because of Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation uh, for those who are in him. And we, we claim that uh, as, as our own this morning. That is good news. It's spectacular news. And we're really grateful for it. God, thank you for your living and active word. Thank you that you've given it to us to form and shape us, to change us, to be more like your son Jesus. As we open up your word, Lord, we ask now that you would use your word uh, to change us uh, for all of eternity. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Uh, In his book uh, titled Improving Your Serve, pastor and author Chuck Swindoll uh, writes about a fictitious scenario. He writes, uh, let's pretend that you work for me. In fact, you are my executive assistant in a large company that is growing rapidly. I'm the owner, and I'm interested in expanding overseas. To pull this off, I make plans to travel abroad and to stay there until a new branch office gets established. I make all the arrangements and take my family uh, in the move to Europe for six to eight months, and I leave you in charge of the busy statewide organization. I tell you that I will regularly regularly write or email you, uh, giving you directions and instructions. I leave and you stay. So you're calling the shots. Congratulations. Uh, He didn't write that. I just told you that. Uh, Months pass by. A flow of letters and emails come in from Europe and they're received by you at the national headquarters. I spell out all my expectations until finally one day I return. Soon after my arrival, I drive down to the office, and I am stunned. Grass and weeds have grown up high. A few windows along the street are broken. I walk into the receptionist's room, and she is doing her nails, chewing gum, and listening to her favorite disco station. You know this was written a while ago, because I don't know anyone that listens to their favorite disco station. That's neither here nor there. Uh, I look around and notice the waste baskets are overflowing, the carpet has been vacuumed, hasn't been vacuumed for weeks, and nobody seems concerned that the owner has returned. I ask about the whereabouts and someone in the crowded lounge area points down the hall and yells, I think he's down there. Disturbed, I move in that direction and bump into you as you are finishing a game of chess with our sales manager. I ask you to step into my office, which has been temporarily turned into a television room for watching afternoon soap operas. What in the world is going on? What do you mean? You reply. Well, look at this place. I mean, just look at this place. Didn't you get any of my letters or emails? Letters? Emails? Oh, sure. Yeah, we got We got all of them. As a matter of fact, we have had letter study every Friday night since you left. We have divided all of our personnel into small groups, and we discussed many of the things that you wrote. Some of those things were really interesting. You'll be pleased to know that a few of us have actually committed to memory some of your sentences and paragraphs. One or two memorized an entire letter. Great stuff in those letters. And the boss replies, okay, you, 
you got my letters, you studied them, and meditated upon them. You discussed them and even memorized them. But what did you do about them? Do, you reply. Oh, we didn't do anything about them. You can imagine how absurd it would be uh, to receive uh, communication from the boss, uh, to read said communication, to study it, to discuss it, to talk about it but not to do anything with it. James writes to the church and to you and to me in James chapter 1 and says this, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Bible studies, uh, they are important and they're necessary. I might even argue that in the Christian life, they are essential. Uh, Small group studies, they're helpful. Uh, we, we, should, we should be a part of them. It should be a non-negotiable for the follower of Jesus. Sermon podcast. Man, they're great. You can roll out of here on Sunday morning and listen to anyone you want. Uh, conferences, if you go to one and you choose the right one, uh, they can be life-changing. They're amazing. Sunday morning attentiveness to the Word I highly recommend it. A steady diet of the Word over time can be life-giving and life-transforming. But, but Bible listening with no Bible doing, according to James, is deceiving. Spending your life studying healthy foods, but not eating any of them, is unhealthy. Becoming a certified personal trainer and never exercising makes little sense. Studying economics, becoming a financial planner, writing love notes to Dave Ramsey, but never addressing your own personal finances, well, that's just downright foolish. Uh, Listening to the Word Uh, But not doing uh, the Word is spiritually deceptive. And it's spiritually deceptive because it leads us to believe that we know uh, the God of uh, the Word personally, uh, but we are unmoved by Him. Uh, And yet, even as I say this, uh, all of of us uh, have done that before. Haven't we? I mean, haven't you opened the Word before, read it, heard, listened, and walked away essentially unmoved? I mean, you may have read it and thought to yourself, I agree with that wholeheartedly. That's, that's what it says right there in the good book. But, but then we walk away and we function in such a way where we go, yeah, I'm not doing that. 
Ever been there before? I have. I mean, we know, for instance, that God has equipped each and every one of us uh, to serve. He's gifted us uniquely and differently. He's given gifts uh, to you. Those gifts that He's given are, are different, they're unique, but they're beautiful. And God uses those gifts to form and shape His people, uh, to change His church. We know that, and yet it's easy to read those things and walk away and think, yeah, I'm not doing that. Right? God's gifted and equipped you. And so my question is, are, like, are you in? Are you going to use the gifts that God's given to you? Like we read from God's Word that all we have belongs to God. It's all His. God loves a cheerful giver. We should give. We ought to give with joyful hearts. You can't outgive God. You in? We read in God's Word, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. It made it. You in? Speak the truth in love. Are you open to having a tough conversation? Are you in? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let your sun go down on your anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity uh, to the devil. And that's so important. Are you in? As a people, it's so easy for us, for me, at times to have the ears of an elephant, uh, but the feet of a mule. We're quick to listen, uh, but we're slow uh, to move. Uh, James points out the deception of listening and not doing, hearing the word, but not doing the word. And so we're challenged this morning as we come to the word. Is there a something in the word that, that God has uh, challenged you with or that you've been challenged by? Are, are you willing to move and to act? I'm not, not talking about you going off to a mountaintop somewhere. Uh, trying to hear from the Lord. I'm I'm talking about actually opening up uh, His book uh, to us and and not only reading it, but going, man, I'm in. Like, I'm going to do it. James paints a picture of what it's like to see the Word clearly, but to walk away unchanged and unwilling to move. Uh, He writes in James chapter 1, verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once he forgets what he was like. It's almost a humorous picture, isn't it? The man sees himself. He sees his reflection in the mirror. There's some level of clarity and then he walks away and immediately forgets what he looks like. He thinks he looks a certain way only to walk away and realize he doesn't quite look the way that he thought. Do you ever forget what you look like before? Do you ever forget before? Maybe you're in the kitchen, something comes to mind, you're like, I need to to go get something in the bedroom. You go to the bedroom, you arrive, you stop, and you go, what what was it that that I needed to get? Like you completely forgot. That's the image here, that's the picture here. Someone looks 
at himself in the mirror, sees what he looks like, and then walks away and completely forgets. Men, maybe you've had this experience before where you've gotten dressed in the morning, you feel pretty good about yourself, you step out into the bedroom, you see your beloved wife, and she asks you a simple question. She simply says to you, are you going to wear that today? No, no, I'm not going to wear this. I just was plain dress up. I'm going to turn around and go back and change because clearly I do not look as good as I thought I did. Right? You looked in the mirror. You saw something. You walked away, but you forgot what you actually looked like. James writes and says, For any, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. He looks at himself and he goes away and at once he forgets what he looked like. The mirrors back then were not like the mirrors that we have now. They oftentimes were maybe made of bronze and someone would look intently into the mirror so they could see their reflection, but you had to look close. They weren't like the mirrors that we have now. The mirrors that we have now are high-powered. Right? You've got the regular bathroom mirror. I just thought for the longest time that those were the only mirrors there were. But then I realized there are high-powered mirrors. There are mirrors where you like flip a switch and there's lights that turn on. It's like... <laughs> and you look into these small mirrors and it magnifies everything like a hundred. And you see things on your face that you didn't even know were on your face. You're like, holy smokes, how long have I looked like this? Like I didn't know, nobody told me. We have a running joke in our house. Occasionally, Melissa will be sitting next to me on the couch or maybe the kitchen table and she'll she'll reach over and she'll say, oh, you got a little something on you? Oh, it's attached. Why did I not know this? I have rogue hairs that are growing on my ears. I don't even see them, but she does. Well, I haven't looked at myself intently in the mirror to see uh, what I look like. But the point isn't just to see yourself. Right? The, the point is to see yourself and then walk away changed. Like, like different. The scripture is a mirror that God holds up to the human heart uh, for us to see ourselves for who we really are. But God doesn't want us just to simply have a clear picture of who we are. He he wants us to step away from the mirror of God's Word and and do something about it. To be changed by it. To to act. But sometimes it's so easy to to look in the mirror and, and walk away unchanged. God doesn't just want to reveal to us who we are. He wants to change who we are. He wants us to respond uh, to what He reveals. And so James talks about the joy of responding in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. Verse 25 says, But the, the one who looks into the perfect law, uh, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Um, To know the Word and to do the Word is to be blessed by uh, the Word. Um, Do you want to experience joy in your life? Do you want to experience joy? 
um, than, than pursue and, and chase after obedience uh, to God's word. The one who looks into the perfect law of the law of liberty. People talk about the, the meaning of the perfect law or the law of liberty. Some people think it's just simply a reference to the Old Testament law. It seems like when, when James writes about the perfect law or this law of liberty, that, that he is talking in part about the law, but how Jesus fulfilled the law. We've, we've read that in other places uh, in Scripture. Even James himself talks about the law that gives freedom or the word of truth or the word that has been uh, planted in you. It encompasses uh, the Old Testament Scriptures, but, uh, but since it is perfect, it includes the teachings of Jesus and how Jesus came uh, to fulfill uh, the law. The, the word radiates a liberating power in our life. It is the perfect law that gives freedom uh, to you and to me. And so James is writing to the church and saying, when we receive um, God's perfect law and we obey, we don't just hear the word, but we do what the word asks us uh, to do, uh, then we experience blessing. Like we experience joy in life. A lot of times when we look at the law, or even when we look at Scripture, we think Scripture is primarily just simply a rule book. And it tells us all the things that we should do and all the things that we shouldn't do. And certainly uh, there are commands in Scripture. There are things that the Bible calls us to do and things that the Bible calls us not to do. But James isn't writing here encouraging the church to be a bunch of moralists. Moralists are a group of people that kind of get together primarily with themselves and just go, hey, I'm going to live a certain way. Like I've determined in my mind, this is what it looks like to, to be good. And, and so you come up with your list of what does it look like to be good. And we experience this in life. Sometimes we look at other people and we go, oh man, that guy over there, he's, he's good people. Or, or, or she's a good person. We just look at their life and we go, they've made some good moral choices. There's certain things that they do and certain things that they don't do. It's, mor- it's morality. James is talking about more than that. He's not, he's not talking about moralism. James isn't talking about legalism. Legalism is moralism with a spiritual twist. It's going, hey, we're going to put some spiritual laws and verbiage around this and make it seem more spiritual than it is. James isn't writing to the church going, hey, I want you guys to start jumping through some spiritual hoops. But I want you to earn God's affection or earn your way to God. He is not doing that. There are plenty of places in Scripture that teach us, Galatians chapter 3, uh, the, the book of Romans is teaching us that, that that kind of life that's lived in order to earn something from God instead of by faith trusting in what God has already done for us in Jesus. That's no way to live. Romans 3.20, By the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 17, In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as is written, uh, the righteous shall live by faith. And so uh, James is not writing to the church, encouraging them to be moralist, and he's not writing to the church, encouraging them uh, to be legalist. But, but James is writing to the church, uh, to sons and daughters of the king, and he's challenging them, he's encouraging them, he's imploring them, like, do the word. 
Like when you, when you read something, and, and you, you've had this experience before, where you'll open up the Word and you're reading, and, and something just comes at you. God's Spirit convicts you. Like he, it, it feels like your heart is exposed to the open air. And you're going, God, I know this was written 2,000 years ago, but it might as well have been written like two minutes ago. Because th- like I need this. Like I'm challenged by this. It, it hits you like a Mack truck. And you know that God is speaking to you. He's asking you to move. Right? He's, com- he's commanding you to do something. If our response to that is like, well, you can't earn God's affection. <laughs> it's not about what we do. It's about what's been done. No, God, he, wa- he wants us to live this way. Like he's, ca- he's called us to, He's commanded us to. To, to, to hear the Word, to listen uh, to the Word, but not do the Word. It's deceptive. It's almost like we're pretending to be something uh, that we're not. And so I just wonder, is, is a church, when we come to God's Word, whether it's here on Sunday morning, whether it's when we roll out and we wake up on Monday morning and open it up, or if it's late on a Thursday, like whenever it is, like are we willing to open it up and go, God, you've spoken uh, to me, like I'm here, I'm listening, Lord. Lord, if, if you need to change something in my heart, then change it. If there's something I'm doing that I need to stop doing God, give me the strength and the power to do that because I need it. If there's something that I'm not doing but I need to start doing, like God's told us, say, God, give me the strength and the courage to move. Like I need your help. I I want us to to not simply be listeners uh, of the Word or to the Word, but doers. I don't want to just study the book. When the book calls us to move and to act, I want to be a people who move and act. What's encouraging to me, what's encouraging to me is I see that happening. Like, like I, I look out here and I, I see people moving into this and pressing in. Now at Christ's point, we exist to point people to Jesus. It is our heartbeat. It is our purpose. It is why we exist. We talk about four different ways that we do that. We encounter the life-transforming power of the Word of God. Like we come to God's Word, we encounter the life-transforming power of His Word. As, as a people, we experience authentic community. We, we believe that God has not called us to live uh, life alone. There are no lone rangers in the Christian life. To be, to be alone, to not be chasing after people, to not willingly allow people to chase after you, opening yourself up to significant relationships, it's just a, it's a dangerous place to be. It is a dangerous place to be. A third, we point people to Jesus by establishing a, a culture of joyful service. We believe that God has gifted and equipped each and every person here uniquely and differently. And when we use the gifts that God's given to us, the body of Christ, you all were, were built up, were encouraged, were challenged, were sharpened, and God is glorified. Uh, fourth, we engage all people. We point people to Jesus by engaging all people. People within these walls, people outside these walls, in our community and around 
to the world. And so I started thinking about this. Uh, the, these words that I just shared, we did, not, we did not go to a mountaintop and make that up. They're biblical. They're biblical. And, and so we want to be a people who don't just talk about them, but actually uh, pursue them. And, and so we as a church, we encounter the life-transforming power of the Word of God. On Sunday morning, uh, we, we come and we open up the Word to hear from God. And I look out this morning and I, and I see you all. And I think, like, yes. Like, that, that's what we're doing. Regardless of what brought you here this morning or who brought you here, regardless of how scattered your mind is right now or what you're thinking about, like, it is a step of faith in the morning to go, God, you, you want us to gather. And maybe you're excited about showing up. Maybe you come begrudgingly and you're like, it's a step of faith for you. But here you are. Here you are. We're, we're living out uh, the Word. We want to point people to Jesus by experiencing authentic community. We believe that God has called us to do life together. A number of weeks ago, I was standing outside after the service, and people were just talking, and the kids were running around. And I just I looked up, and I saw uh, one of our small groups that had just gathered in a circle. And they just were talking. The kids were playing together, and they were running around. And I, they, weren't, they weren't causing any trouble, to my knowledge. They just were catching up. And I just think, you know, relationships take time and intentionality. They don't just happen. And I thought, man, isn't it, isn't it cool that they're investing in one another? Same thing just a couple of weeks ago, one of our small groups gathered at a pool, someone's pool in their backyard, and they met together. I, to my knowledge, I showed up for a bit. To my knowledge, we didn't, they didn't translate the Greek or Hebrew. Like it just, I mean, they just showed up and they asked about work and life and kids and, and they just spent time together. They're, they're pursuing this. When our men get together on a Wednesday or on a Thursday, when our ladies get together, for co- they're, they're chasing after this. It's a biblical command. They're living out and doing the Word. We, we want to establish a culture of joyful service. I think about all the people that I see on a, on a Sunday morning that are using gifts and abilities that are unique and different, and they're, and they're, serving, they're serving you. I once heard a pastor many years ago uh, tell his uh, congregation, your, your seat is someone's sacrifice. I'll never forget that. Like there, there's there's been, been people who have committed to pour themselves in, in, into, into this, to this church body, and, in, and as a result of that, into you. They're going, I care about you enough. I love you enough um, to, to give my life for you. And so they're living out the word. We want to engage all people. We want to be a people whose default is movement. Not, not spinning your wheels like spiritual calisthenics, life on the treadmill where it's never good enough and you need to do more, 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 more. Not that. But this posture that goes, God, you, God, you rescued me. I'm my very worst. You love me at my very worst. And, and, and so I want to love others. And I see our, our church family doing that. I see a relationship growing with 1-7 in East Charlotte 
ministry that's seeking to impact a refugee community there. I see that in Operation Christmas Child this year. Over 1,200 shoeboxes will uh, be mailed out around the world. We're going to gather together as a church in November and put those together. Those are gospel opportunities, over 1,200 gospel opportunities. Kids are going to receive those. That's, that's living out the word. I think about our relationship with CIN, Children's Impact Network, in just a few minutes. Uh, the team that's leaving uh, this, this year is going to gather. We're going to pray together. We're going to have our church family uh, pray for them as, as we go. We tell people all the time, you can either go or you can send. So we're going to give God thanks for those who are going. We're going to give God thanks for those who are sending, whether that's prayer support, whether it's financial support. But, but we as a, as, a, as a church family, I see this happening. I see it happening. We're not only listeners or hearers of the word, but we are doers by God's grace. Um, so church family, what would it look like if, if we live this out? What would it look like if we continue uh, to live this out? What would it, what would it look like if, if we use the gifts and abilities that God's given to us um, to, to go out in the good name of Jesus? Let's pray and ask God to do that now. Uh, God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for uh, your grace and for your goodness to us. Thank you so much that you have invited us uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit um, to, to follow you with the strength that you provide. God, if there are things in our hearts and in our lives where you are calling us, you are asking us um, to move and to act, uh, then I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to do that now. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your Spirit. Amen. Would you